From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the CloverTac Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? Welcome to another episode of the CloverTac Podcast, powered by trailblazer firearms it is september 15th 2022 and we've got 2a edu he's waiting back in the green room we'll get him in here pretty quickly so we don't eat all of the cookies back there and uh we're gonna just gonna have a conversation about all types of things firearms whatever we are recording this live on youtube facebook and linkedin so if you're joining us in replay welcome from that replay world remember that if you're in the replay world you can participate down in the comment below wherever you're watching or listening to this but if you do join us live while we record well you can uh, of course ask questions and participate live which is always uh, a lot of fun i uh, want to say a quick uh, shout out and thank you to the patreon patron crew the youtube channel member crew links of course down below if you want to hit that up I want to also thank those that super chat, those that super thanks, those that shop clovertack.com slash shop because you make a lot of things possible on the channel that wouldn't be possible otherwise. Uh, And uh, also want to mention that we're a part of a pretty awesome network, the Firearms Radio Network. So if you're uh, interested in checking out a lot of cool podcasts, not just ours, you can hop on over to firearmsradio.net. And check that out. Little special something. If you're out there joining us live on the YouTube side, you probably noticed a pin post at the top of the uh, chat window there. Uh, so just a little preview for those that uh, don't know. I do have a B channel. I play around with trading cards, sports cards, things like that over there on the Clover Tech Cards channel. Uh, and we're going to be giving away three sets of Glock Team Glock. Uh, cards here pick these up at shot show this year and three of them one of the sets is autographed so we'll give away two that are not autographed one is autographed uh, you got to go check out clover tack cards so if you're listening in replay or you're you know, watching this in replay and you can't get to that pinned comment or maybe you're on mobile just do a quick google search clover tack got dot eh, clover tack cards I can speak, uh, and there is a uh, there's a pinned video on what you need to do to uh, potentially win those. They're pretty freaking cool, if you ask me. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get two A E D U in the house. How are you, man? Good. How's it going? Uh, not a. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not horrible. Yeah, that's better than nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, I know you just got in from work, so um, time to kick back and relax and all of that good stuff and and hopefully just have a uh, just have a cool conversation. So I want to give you the floor right off the bat here uh, for those that uh, may be out there that don't know who you are, don't know what you do. Um, yeah, give us a little rundown of all of that. Hey, guys, how's it going? So I do a YouTube channel, obviously, 2AEDU as well as a locals community, which we're having tons of fun over there, doing a lot of stuff there that we don't do on YouTube. And, oh, geez, I've been creating videos for, I guess, about three years now. Do lots of gun reviews. 
I like to talk about the Second Amendment, too. I like to talk about culture, God-given rights, and what we're going to have to do to keep this republic. So I guess I cover quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think it's par for course, probably with a lot of a lot of the channels, the farm related channels on YouTube. Um, you know, let's get into um, your background. I mean, I don't know anything really about that. So, you know, we've got the lifelong firearm owners, which, you know, I'll put myself in that category. Of course, we've got those that have come to it recently. We've got, you know, all different levels in between. Sort of what is your story when it comes to, you know, becoming a firearm owner? Yeah, um, grew up in a small town on a dirt road, kind of on the edge of the country. First gun was in 1994. It was an SKS. I remember at that time cutting, well, when I was 15, I was just getting into cutting the neighbor's lawn for about five bucks a cut. And it was a lot to come up with $100, but that's about what I spent for my first rifle, Chinese SKS. Um, got started into guns then. I got into the Comblock stuff specifically and a lot of other mill serps because opposite of what it is today, if somebody's kind of new to it, that was the cheap stuff. You right. could get three AKs and two SKSs for the price of a nice AR. So I kind of started that way. And I don't know, man. I guess I've been into it for, I guess, almost 30 years now. I'm kind of dating myself. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we probably all do. So at what point, because that's all part of, you know, I, I tease with it a little bit. And then part of it is basically trying to take the word back because not a lot of people really understand the word. They'll sling it out there as a slur and they don't really understand it. Uh, but, you know, I talk about being a FUD. Um, I think we're, we were all that way at one time. We still have the capacity to do that even today. Um, and along that vein, not calling you a FUD, of course, but or saying that you ever were. But uh, in your own words, you know, at what point did the whole Second Amendment thing with you, at what point did it actually come together? Did it actually click and you realized, hey, this is something special? Oh, geez. So I guess, hmm. FUD's an interesting thing. I'm not, um, I'm not a hunter. I've never really hunted. I've hunted a few times here and there. I started in 94, keep in mind. And like literally I got my first gun and the SKS comes with an attached 10 round mag an integral 10 round mag. And in hindsight, you know, you go in circles with stuff like this. I believe that's the best way to run your SKS. It's the most reliable feed it with stripper clips. I would tell anybody that today. However, when you're 15, 16 years old, you want the 30 round people used to call it clip back then banana mag. And I had just got into shooting the gun, and a friend of mine had one, and his had the big old banana mag on there. And I said, well, I'm going to go grab one of those, only to find out at the next gun show that I couldn't, at least not for a reasonable price, because right. shortly after getting my first gun, the Clinton-era assault weapons ban had passed, right? Yeah. And, man, I watched, like, what used to be a $10, $15 mag, whether it was for Glock, SKS, AR, whatever, they shot up to 50, 60 bucks, then a hundred. And I remember at the peak of it, it was 150 bucks for like a 15 round Glock 19 mag or whatever. Uh -huh. So it kind of started hitting home then. Like what the heck's going on here? Why are people trying to ban guns? Like if I'm shooting 30 rounds safely and responsibly, what's the difference between that and 10 rounds? So I learned what gun control was at a very young age. 
but it still hadn't quite sunk in yet. Like where our rights come from, what we, the people can do to retain them. So it, it started right quick, but I hadn't gotten the big picture yet. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I think that's the way it is with a lot of folks. And that's what, that's what gets me. And that's, that's part of why, you know, my FUD life project, um, you know, I talk about that sort of thing is, you know, there are those that are more advanced in the rights and the liberties sector of, you know, the firearm community. Um, and oftentimes they don't, what is, I heard a terminology used one time, the curse of knowledge. Um, and what that is means that, you know, you're plugged in, you know, so much, right. That you forget that some people don't know what you know. Uh, that they don't have your experience. And so um, it's the inability to dial it back and remember that, okay, whoa, we got we to gotta help out those that are behind the curve. And anytime we get a new firearm owner, odds are they're going to be behind the curve. So, you know, by, you know, by throwing out names and, you know, creating division, it really doesn't help the, help the situation in, in my opinion. Um, and then on the, on the flip side of that, you know, one of the things is, you know, being able to, being able to have that experience to fall back on. Um, a lot of people like you talk about the AWB you know, in '94. I know people, I know fuds, right, that have that they lived through that, and they still don't understand the significance. They don't understand what actually went on. They don't understand how it actually applied to them. And they don't understand how it applies nowadays. Uh, if you look at, I don't remember which, what it was recently that went on, but it seems like maybe it was the receiver rule thing. They specifically addressed some shotgun stuff in there. And they specifically addressed some, some semi-auto shotgun stuff in there. So, you know, the duck hunter that's out there, right? Um, are they even paying attention? Probably not uh, a large majority of them. I mean, they're focused on hunting and they know, of course, the hunting rules. They can tell you bag limits and restrictions and what time the season starts and stops and all this other stuff. But they're not necessarily plugged into the 2A. Um, and that's not, it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, in my opinion. It's just the way it is. And so it falls on us to be able to say, hold on, wait a minute. You know, nothing wrong with it. I, I get it. But, but you need to be paying attention to this because this does this does affect you. Um, and sadly, I think that's for the majority of people. I wished it wasn't that way, but it is. Um, sadly, the majority of people, they don't pay attention until it affects them, right? No, and here's the proof that you're right in that. They say there's about 100 million gun owners in this country. Trust me, guys, if 100 million people are set on one thing where they're like, no, shall not be in friends. We're not going to let you ban this. We're not going to let you ban that. We'll vote you out. It won't happen. In fact, if you even had like, you could say half of that, let's go down to a 10th of that. If you even had 1% of that, if you had 1 million people that were literally all concerted, all together, all for one cause, that's more than enough to get everybody in Washington DC's attention. And this is the part where, I get it, dude. Like you were saying, people get into guns and immediately they're just like, oh, it's this an inanimate object. I can just buy a gun like I would go buy a toaster oven or a toy or whatever. 
and then some of them start to realize like wait a minute you mean i can't buy this i can't buy that and that's what i always try to do with my streams and my shows is let people know look we talk about politics and then people kind of hate politics even though politics is pop culture i would argue right now people tend to kind of hate politics well the second amendment shouldn't be about politics it should supersede any political party it shouldn't right. matter if you're an independent democrat republican these rights are endowed by everybody's creator. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And you have to, here, here's what sucks. And here's the conundrum that I think you want to talk about a little bit, right? Where people kind of want to cringe and say, I just want the guns, but I don't want the politics. But unfortunately, the people in Washington, D.C. and in many of your state capitals, even in a lot of yep. your cities and townships, they're the ones making it political because they're the ones coming after your guns when you just want to be left alone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's most people. Most people just want to be left alone. Um, yeah, let's let's jump over. Let's kick back to the 2A EDU channel yeah. uh, for just a minute. So how did all that come about? I mean, did you start with the typical, hey, I'm just going to shoot some guns or did you start more along the 2A vein? Where where did you start and how was that different from the time you started till now? Okay, well, I've had a, a lot of guns over the years. I got into avid gun collecting way before YouTube, just mainly into mill serps and, of course, newer stuff along the way. Mm -hmm. You got to remember, and I know you know this, you've been into guns a long time. Nowadays, when I say mill serps, people think, oh, this must be an affluent dude. No, mm -hmm. I cut grass for a living. I've always been poor. I gravitated towards mill serps back in the day because that's the stuff that they used to almost give away, right? Right. So, it works. It works the same with me a little bit with my 22 fetish, right? Mm -hmm. 22 tends to be a little bit cheaper. The 22 sure. versions, and then the shooting sports side plays into it with me too. But price, I'm not gonna lie, the price price point plays into it as well. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, of course. And even though they're like bigger caliber guns nowadays, there was a time not that long ago. If we even went back to 10 years ago, especially 15, 20, 25 years ago, eight millimeter Mauser they would give that ammo away right. 762 by 54 R X 39 545 by 39. Like some of the cartridges, this is so crazy how this works out that are the hardest to get most expensive. Now 303 British, they would practically give that stuff away a nickel around a dime around 15, 20 cents around. So mm -hmm. I had all these guns. I really noticed a lot of culture change going on too, though, at a certain point. And this would have been right around, First time Obama got elected, I watched people panicking, running to the gun stores, buying stuff up. I wanted to start my YouTube channel right then and there. I felt I had enough guns to do reviews on. I felt the politics were ripe, if you will, in the country. The, the sense of culture was right. And I basically was kind of just scared and intimidated to start a YouTube channel for a long time. and wanted to start one about 10 years before I did. Right. That's how that worked out. You know, I see that in the in the in the creator sphere. We may get into some of that talk here a little later, but um, I see that pretty often. Honestly, I, you know, you you would not believe the classes, the courses, the uh, workshops, and things that I go into. And I'm talking with people, and you know, your first inclination is this person has a YouTube channel, right? They're here. They, and you would be surprised at the amount of people that that do all of that and they're hesitant and they're still hesitant even after attending these workshops after trying to learn they don't do it the reverse you know 
I'm in this thing and, and a lot of people out there are the, are the same way. I think you're the same way that we just turn on the camera. Right. And then it's yeah. like, well, I'll learn it later on. Um, and I think there needs to be a happy mix. Right. Uh, especially when it comes to policy and, and you've learned that firsthand, but um, you know, we have to know and understand policy for sure, but you know, turn on the camera and kind of work all the kinks out, the bugs out as you go along. Um, you know, nobody is going to turn the camera on and be professional right out of the And let me rephrase that. There are a few people that are charismatic enough. They have enough money sitting around. They can put into really nice equipment. And yes, they could probably turn the camera on, start a channel today, turn the camera on, you know, and knock it out of the park, you know, studio quality uh, videos and stuff like that. But the vast majority are not. So why not learn on the job? Right. Yeah. And I just, you know what I realized at a certain point, I just wanted to start my channel just because I said, you know what, that way I won't have any regrets. I'm like, I'm just going to be myself. I thought from the beginning and just do my thing. So I set up this little corner and it's just a small portion of my landscaping shop. That's why you see crap all over the place back here. And I said, I'm just going to get on here. I'm going to be myself. And if there's just five or 10 people that watch my video, that's five or 10 more than would be if I didn't do it at all. And I just didn't want to be that guy that had to sit there and, I mean, there's two sides to this channel. There's the showing guns, doing gun reviews that does connect with the gun rights in the second amendment, because once people start owning guns, they might, they don't always, but it might get them closer to becoming a second amendment advocate. And I was sitting there watching my little girl at home, thinking about her thinking, man, what if there's an assault weapons ban in her life that there's not going to be a 10 year sunset on? What if someday she can't right. even legally buy a gun at all? And I didn't want to be that guy that later on had to tell my daughter when she's, she's 10 years old now, when she's 18, 20, 25 years old and say, Hey, sorry, a bunch of Americans were lazy. Daddy was lazy. Didn't do anything, sat on his butt and kept his guns to himself. And I just sat back and, let you lose the free exercise of your natural rights. So I said, I just got to do something and just try. And if nobody watches it and it's not worth my effort, I'll stop. But so far I've had more people watching my videos than I ever thought I would. So I'm still here. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an accumulation of amplification and, uh, and I'm going to hit on that a, a little more. We'll, we'll deep dive into that. But uh, first I've got to just take a quick minute here and talk to everybody out there about, of course, Trailblazer Firearms because they power the podcast right now. And so if you're not familiar with those guys, they're out of North Carolina, American made and doing some pretty cool, innovative stuff. Uh, they've had their little life card, uh, single shot pistol, 22 or 22 long or 22 mag out for a while. Um, and it's innovative, if nothing else. And they've got all kinds of accessories nowadays for that as well. Uh, and then soon to be released, the 9mm carbine they're calling the Pivot that flips, folds, slides, crunches up. I don't even know what else to say about the thing. Uh, it contorts in all different kinds of ways to create a smaller package. And that should be uh, releasing pretty soon. You can, of course, check all of that out uh, with Trailblazer. And if you do decide to pull the proverbial trigger on a life card, uh, you can get 10% off with uh, CloverTac. So let's uh, get uh, back to the conversation. And we were talking about um, this idea of amplification. 
social media there's there's two veins there's people well on either any side any either side of any spectrum if i can talk um you've got the extremes and on the social media extreme you've got the people that literally show every bite they eat on social media and every word they say and everything they do their entire life is tied up in it and you got the people that it's the devil they won't touch it they still have a rotary phone, I think, at the house. They don't use cell phones. Uh, those are the extremes. The truth of social media, as 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 difficult as it is to say sometimes, I think used properly, the benefits far outweigh the drawbacks. And I say used properly. Um, and the reason is a lot of people don't think about this, but you were kind of ta- you talked about earlier how. You know, you were going to turn the camera on and if you just talk to five people or you just talk to 10 people, right? That's all you need because the message coming from me, right? All I have to do is reach one person out there and that one person have the ability, unlike me, to reach hundreds or thousands and they take my message and they spread it. Mm-hmm. Well, by proxy, you see what I'm saying? I've just reached hundreds or thousands of people, right? Um, And that's the whole idea on my channel of the whole chain fire freedom. That's what that means is put the message out, talk about it, um, and keep talking about it. Keep informing people. Keep telling people about things because you you have to value your voice. And and, uh, G-Web's gun websites has always talked about that. You have to value your voice, and especially in a social media climate. Um, I had a conversation one time that was really interesting uh, since we're talking about amplifying our voice and how the regular person out there, you may think, hey, I'm a nobody. I can't do it. Understand this. I had a conversation with uh, Roll Call 219, who is on YouTube. And this has been years ago. And I think maybe I joined one of his chats or something. And and he was talking about a pretty big city. There was you know, a couple hundred thousand residents in the city. And they were trying to get rid of a mayor they didn't like. It was something something along that lines. That mayoral race was decided by 102 votes. 102 votes. Now, you take that 102 votes, and then you go see how many followers you have cumulatively across YouTube, across Facebook, across your Twitter, across your Instagram. How many people do you see in the grocery store? How many people do you see at the gun shop? How many people do you see at the nail salon, right? If there was just one or two people that election cycle, right, willing to spread a message, it could have changed that election. And people want to say, oh, we have no power. I have no power. My vote, my vote doesn't count. Well, your vote may not count, but your vote plus 103 others, at least in that situation, would have counted. <laughs> so um, it's it's really important, no matter how small we think our voice may be, it's really important that we put it out there. Yeah, and, and, exactly, man. And here's, here's a good way I like to look at it. Almost, almost 250 years ago, this country was literally founded as a republic of the people, by the people, for the people. And the only reason we would have a government at all is to protect your natural rights. That's literally the essence of what the U.S. is. Now, if you look at 15 years after we declared independence, 
the Bill of Rights was written down. And among those, which I love all of them, the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That's the why. It tells you why right there. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So literally, that says what it says. It means what it means. It's very obvious. And it was very obvious to everybody in 1791. Now let's look at about 230 years after that. Look where we are now. There's over 20,000 federal gun control laws slash regulations slash memos, rulings that didn't happen overnight. It went from zero. There were zero gun control laws the day it was written until now. Now we have tens of thousands. It happened like people often ask, like, how would you eat an elephant? Like you couldn't possibly. Well, if you're going to, you just have to eat him one bite at a time. And this other side, notice I'm not just saying Democrats because Republicans have been low down scoundrels against the Second Amendment a lot too, okay? All these people suck when they get to Washington, D.C., it seems. But over a couple hundred years, one bite at a time, they've been chewing away from shall not be infringed, where now they're even going after duck hunting guns, like you said. So how do we fight back? One person at a time, one bite at a time. And that's where everyone needs to get involved because the other side has a bunch of, quote, nobodies that are rallying together to come after our guns. And all these grains of sand that they're farming makes a hill a mountain. We need to do the same thing. We need to yeah. be grassroots. We need to talk to our family, our friends on the Internet, in real life, and, and to try to get the Second Amendment back to what it's intended to be, you know? Well, I get the, I get the, the and I think it was MC out there, and I think he was talking about being the creator. But one thing he mentioned, and, and sorry, MC, I've, I've, I've lost the uh, comment since. But you, one thing he mentioned was patience, and I think that like there's a lot of people at our camp that lack patience, and I understand it. it I, I get it. Um, but the truth is, the the rights were not taken away overnight, and they will not be restored overnight. Um, and a good example that I bring up. Texas this last year passed constitutional carry. Um, well, you've got you've got the people that number one they they didn't think they didn't even know that Texas didn't have constitutional carry and hadn't since whatever it was eighteen ninety one or whatever whatever year it was eighteen seventy one I don't remember but one of those years. Um, and then you had people that thought that it just all of a sudden happened out of the blue. Right. It was big news. It was a big hoopla. And like you guys don't we we've been working toward this and it's been even it's even worse in Texas. Well, I say it's worse. It's not. It's better. Uh, it's worse for the process because our legislature only meets every other year. Right yeah. now, that's a great concept. And I think all legislatures should probably be like that. The less they're there, the less they can screw up, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it makes it harder to restore rights uh, and get things accomplished when that happens uh, but it was a process for 20 some odd years to get from concealed handgun license which was that first step was to get a concealed handgun license and back then people were throwing a fit no uh, no we want constitutional carry and it's like you're not going to get from a to z there, there's there's a whole litany of places in between that we have to hit on first um, and so we got the CHL. A few years later, we tweaked that. A few years later, we tweaked something else. A few years later, and here it is, 2021. It's a long time later, two decades, but we got there. We got those rights that had been taken had been taken away for over 100 years restored. 
now. And so I think it, it falls on people to, I get it, it's tough, but you got to be patient. Yes, and, and there's, there's so many people right now, and they're angry. And I understand why they're angry. I'm angry too. I mean, you should be angry when they're sitting there trying to take away your natural rights that your government's supposed to protect. And here's where kind of the fine line is. And I, I think a lot of people like to either go like extremely black or they're extremely white on a certain issue. Right. And we shouldn't compromise. That's not what I mean by that. But what we need to think about is it took over 200 years to get us in this situation. We're not going to get it done overnight. Like you just said, Clover. However, I don't want people to think they can just be lazy and go back into their little hidey hole and say, leave me alone because the other side's picking up the pace right now. So we do need to get involved like we never have before on so many levels. But we need to realize while we're actively getting involved in all these different projects, all these different ways you guys can get active, you need to get involved right now. Just realize tomorrow we don't just flip a switch and it all comes back on, right? Well, and, and getting involved. Um, getting involved is not paying dues. I hear that all the time. You talk about getting involved and somebody says, well, who do I need to send money to? It's like, okay, time out. It's great that you send money. You should support your local state organizations for sure. Um, you know, honestly, pick a pick a big organization. I, I don't even care either way um, and do that. But I view it as far as the activism side of the protection, preservation, and restoration of the Second Amendment. I, I view it a lot like voting. So there are people that go into that booth, they pull the handle, they check the dot, they walk out, and that's it. They don't pay attention to what that politician does from then on, right? They may have researched them a little bit. They may have researched them a little bit if they're not making a decision based off of a campaign ad, right? They they may have researched them a little bit at, at best. They check the box. They turn around, they walk out. They have no clue for the next two years, four years, six years, whatever it is. They have no clue what that politician has done. They have no clue you know, what bills he signed on to, you know, whatever. They don't pay attention. People vote, and I hate the term of taking, uh, that applying a term of leader to a politician. I hate that. It's like, but they've almost become that because so many people check the box and walk off. And it's like, we're not, we have a civic duty. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to pay attention. And it works the same way in the 2A realm. You can't just dole out money to an organization and expect them to do all of the work. It's still going to fall on you. I mean, there's still things that you're going to have to do. That's the entire definition of grassroots. Oh, I, I agree. Because, look, we've got, like, say on the other side, you've got Moms Demand Action. They're a group that has tons of money. They are funded by a huge former mayor of New York City that has billions and billions of dollars. Okay. Yeah, send money to the GOA if that's your thing, the FPC. Just mentioning a couple that I know a lot of people like. That's great. That's to help combat these other big groups. But also keep in mind, these anti-gun activists, they're going around. They're talking to their friends. They're establishing a culture war against the Second Amendment. And you guys actually have like way more power than I, you ever even realized just by talking yep. to people. You talk to three people. Eh, just say two out of those three people kind of drop the ball. You still gave your effort, though, and you need to do that. 
Don't say I have to be a perfectionist or bust. That's setting yourself up for failure. Two out of three of those people drop the ball, but one of the people goes and talks to three more. And yep. of those three, two out of three drop the ball, but one of those talks to three more. We could, I just reached nine people that quickly by you talking to three people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the cumulative, you know, effort. Definitely. And, um, um, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. G Webs had a question earlier that I want to answer. And because I think this applies to everybody. He said, how do I stay motivated being a second amendment type activist? I stay motivated in all honesty from all of my viewers, people I meet at different events, just knowing that I'm not alone. And the little bit thing I'm doing every week on my YouTube stream on locals, wherever I'm at, everyone doesn't agree with me all the time. That's fine. But as a whole, they say I'm helping the cause and they're telling me all of the things they're doing. And that's why I want you guys to get your motivation from too, just knowing you're not alone and that you do matter and other people are gaining strength from you. So that's the motivation to keep going. Well, you can also get motivated by, by paying attention. I think that's, I think that you have to, you have to watch and listen to the right people. And I don't mean the right people as in on the right. Um, but people that are really negative, that always talk about the bad stuff, they never, you know, it's okay. I mean, if we're facing legislation, uh, potential legislation, we need to know that there's, that's not a problem. But then when there is a 2A win somewhere, um, I think you should evaluate who you're listening to and who you're watching. Are they balanced? Fox News wants to use the whole fair and balanced thing, and that gets off on a whole other tangent that they're not. <laughs> but, but um, you know, that's the way your sources need to be. They need to be, is there as much, are they just telling you the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, or are they telling you the whole thing? Like, well, today's the sky's falling, but then tomorrow it's like, hey, we won this court victory. Or, hey, this state legislature overturned, you know, or restored these rights. And, you know, to your point about, you know, who you support, you mentioned a, a couple of the big, big organizations. Um, I think one place that we're failing um, is by not, supporting and when i say support i don't even mean i don't necessarily mean monetarily right um again you tell three people one of those three are going to tell three people one of those three are going to tell three people right and so sure. just talking about it and making it aware uh sometimes is enough we've got talking about motivation these activists can inspire people and inspiration is motivation so you know, things like the D.C. Project, um, the women of the D.C. Project are amazing. Things like uh, Maj, Solucinary Center, things like uh, Tony Simon in the diversity shoot, um, Guns for Everyone and Edgar. There's just tons and tons and tons that I guarantee you I said those, and there's people out there, whether it's live right now or listening in replay, that went, whoa, what did he say? Back it up, listen to me, Google it. Because you need to know who these people are um, and you need to be supporting these people in some way. They are the literal boots on the ground. They are our little, literal A-team as far as 2A. Um, they are our Green Berets. They are our Navy SEALs. They are the specialists. Every one of them 
have a specialized lane when it comes to 2A. Um, and I think it's important that the big letter, like I said, the big letter organizations, yes, um, because they can bring in the money to to do things. But what if, what if some of those smaller organizations that are doing amazing work had even a tenth of the budget of some of the big organizations? You know what I'm saying? What could they accomplish? And we've yet to see that. Uh, but I think the day's coming that we will. Yeah, exactly. And it, look, just being a gun owner, being a Second Amendment advocate, and I say them separately because they're not always the same thing. Uh-huh. I believe getting people's foot in the door owning guns helps them. It betters their chances of even realizing the Second Amendment exists. But I've learned so much just in the last two years, this influx of new shooters. Now, some of them have already gone by the wayside and said, screw it. And they've gotten rid of their guns and they've gone back to wanting to ban them. Sure, that's going to happen. But many of them, many, many are still here and they're still wanting to learn. And now that they've learned about guns, now that they've learned that some people are trying to take them away, like imagine that, but now they get it, are starting to look into becoming in Second Amendment advocates. Now, one person's probably going to connect to my live stream more and watch that. Another person's going to connect to yours. Another person's going to connect to gun websites. Maj Teray. I mean, just so many different types of people. Tony Simon, like you said. And that's good. That's why we need so many different types of people, because we all have different presentations, Uh different ways of thinking. And people are just going to have their favorites and stuff that they want to connect to. And that's fine. It's fine. As long as it's a good source, obviously. There's some gun YouTubers I'd probably not recommend connecting to. But in general, most people are doing a pretty good job in trying to fight the good fight, wouldn't you say? Um, I think so. And even some of the ones that get a bad rap behind the scenes like like a lot of people they don't know everything that i'm doing that that you know i don't necessarily put everything in front of the camera Mm -hmm. um and when i'm working with organizations when i'm working with companies when i'm working with other things it's hard to do that so you know there's some there's some I want to use the word unsung hero, but I certainly don't feel like I'm a hero. But it's that type of a, of a thing to where, you know, some people you may look at and go, what do they do? Um, but you don't know. you don't, Unless you know that person personally, you know, or something like that, you don't really know what they're doing behind the scenes. So I would say, you know, unless you do know that person, reserve a little bit of judgment, you know, err on the side of, well, Hopefully they're doing the right thing uh, and move on. So I've got, um, I've got a few questions out there. Keep the questions coming. We'll definitely, definitely hit on all of those. Um, yeah, we've got uh, Roboto out there. Eh, the FUD 2A warrior. I like that. The FUD king, I think, is what I've been crowned with. Uh, so we got a, a few questions. G-Webs uh, went on. You you had answered his earlier. Uh, and, yeah, I may not read the questions right away, but I am starring questions and stuff, and we will get to them. I don't like to interrupt the flow of uh, the uh, show no more than I can. But, uh, yeah, kind of to go along with, I guess, the uh, inspiration and the motivation part. Obviously, you got to stay motivated to be in it long enough. But uh, he says, where do you see your project in uh, five or ten years? Look, guys, as far as if you want to call my project the public persona where I'm out here on YouTube, I'm on Locals, 
it's not a persona really it's just you guys get to see me persona is actually the wrong word i'm myself on camera same as i am off camera so me personally i'm gonna be a second amendment advocate and just a rights advocate period but you only have so much energy in your body i'm gonna stay focused on the second amendment the rest of my life no matter what now as far as the channels go as long as there's still people out there that are making it worth my while meaning I get the feedback. I see the people saying, yes, keep up the good fight. I'm getting information from your videos. I'm getting motivation from your videos. Um, as long as people are letting me know that I'm reminding them that they're not alone and that they have the courage to stand up for this country, I'll keep doing it publicly because it's not for the money. I literally already have a business that I've been doing, not a successful one, but a business that's enough to feed my family not trying to get rich. I could care less about that. So as long as I can still just like keep the channel going as far as motivation goes, and I have generous contributors to my channel, just like you do that help actually pay for the nuts and bolts part because these channels are expensive. As long as I can just keep it going and it's, well, worth they, help, doing. they help, they help offset the cost, right? Yes. I don't, uh, I'm certainly not to the point that anything is, is fully covered, but uh, it does, it does help. It helps. It helps tremendously. Now, yeah, not where we're making money, just where we can't. You can only pull so much. I don't know about you, but I'll just speak for myself. I think you're yeah. in the same boat. Yeah. I can only pull so much from the lawn mowing and deck staining business and put it into guns without like not being able to pay the lights at home and stuff. But you know what I'm saying. Got ultra, ultra Bob out there. Just wait a minute. You pay your mods? <laughs> you do? I like that. I like that. No, but DJ, you know, shout out to DJ. He's he was throwing down some of those awesome uh, organizations we were talking about, small organizations, the links out there. So uh, I do have great mods. Um, you know, my mods. No, I was picking on him. I may send him some goodies, but um, yeah, my mods. I go through the Patreon patron and the the uh, YouTube channel members because my channel runs a little different. You and I talked about that backstage a little bit, but, um, you know, and having, having people that are around you, around your channel, they understand what you want, what you don't want, how, how things, they want things to work, uh, with mods, that's really important. Otherwise you can get, you know, miscommunication and people are overzealous and whatever the case may be. So yeah, again, shout out to, uh, DJ out there. Thanks for those links, bro. Um, palate cleanser from uh mike here mike by the way is the latest uh i think he joined up yesterday maybe uh the latest uh channel member crew here says uh i have a taurus tx22 on the way to his ffl congrats always a good day when you get a new pew pew says uh which i'm excited about any particular ammo that they like or don't like uh, I have a variety of 22 ammo in my stockpile. So I don't own a TX-22. I don't know that I will ever own a TX-22. I'm not a huge fan. Um, got two of them. That said, I have shot them plenty of times. And I haven't ran into anything I can complain about too much as far as ammo that it won't cycle. So I'll let you take it away since you've got two. Yeah, it's a great gun. I have the competition, the regular version. Um, and that's kind of one of the cool things about it. Well, there's a bunch of cool things about that gun, but I don't want to spend too long on it. Lots of round capacity. Way more than a lot of the competitors. That's one of its big advantages. 
great trigger, and it pretty much eats any type of ammo there is. Obviously, I already know you know this, Mike, because you're a pretty big gun guy, but any of like the Calibri, Super Calibri, quiet ammo, stuff like that, right. a lot of times doesn't work in any semi-autos. But besides that stuff, it just pretty much eats anything. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Shot shells. Shot shells are going to be a no-go. Um, boy, the Calibri is awful fun in a revolver or something, though. Man. Oh, yeah. That stuff, it's basically a pellet at that point, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. My daughter has the little cricket rifle I bought it for her in 2012, the year she was born. It's pink. Mm. She likes to shoot those in it. <laughs> now, let me ask you about the cricket because I am not a fan and never have been a fan of the cricket. Um, my recommendation when you're talking about a small framed rifle, um, small profile small length of pull uh mm -hmm. for a for a smaller framed kid if we're talking tween and and, and teenage you know maybe a, a little different story but you know five six seven eight years old anyway um my go-to has pretty much always been that savage rascal and i'll tell you and i'll tell you why and then i'll ask my question since you've got some experience with the kiddo on the uh, on the cricket um two reasons i guess well yeah no one reason ultimately is the manual of arms so the the cricket you open the bolt you load it you close the bolt then you have to cock it then you have to, to you know then you're able to fire so yes they made and I can't remember the model, maybe the 512. Somebody out there in the chat may know it, but I know Remington made one years and years and years, decades ago. That was a single shot that was similar to that. Um, so it's not, not a new concept, uh, the, the cricket, as far as the way it works. But with the Savage Rascal, the bolt articulates just like any other bolt-action rifle. The safety is akin to any other bolt-action rifle. Um and there, you don't have to, to cock, right? And so for a kid to be able to get used to a similar manual of arms and being able to do the vast majority of stuff theirself, because I found with some of my shooting sports kids, the being able to cock the cricket, right, was the problem area. Um, so that's my question, since that's, that's my pick, is the, the rascal over the cricket. Um, did you, did you have any issues with her learning on the cricket? Were there any issues with her being able to cock that by herself? Or did you even allow it up until a certain point? Yeah, here's the thing. So, first of all, there's a couple of things. Because I, I totally hear you on what you're saying. This was back in 2012. It was right around 100 bucks. I want to say like literally 99.99. The price was right on it. The other one had cost a little more. I didn't have much money at all at that time. Also, I think part of the concept, see, I had her shoot for the first time, and I do have a recording of it when she was three years old in the backyard, just right on the back patio. Nice. And I think part of the concept, now she's 10 now. A lot's changed mentally at her, you know, now. So I probably do need to get her refreshed up to something. She's still a little one. She's still really small. The rifle is the perfect size for her. However, I think that's kind of what I liked about it at that very young age is the fact that, Look, all gun safety. I started teaching her gun safety the minute she was old enough to even understand words. Like mm -hmm. literally, one of my first conversations with her were about guns. 
but I still kind of liked the idea that she wasn't strong enough to cock it back. And I think that's what a lot of people like about it. With that said, at a certain age, it's time to move on with something with a normal manual of arms because it's kind of annoying. Does that make sense? No, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, it's 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 just like when somebody asked best caliber, best carry gun, best whatever, right? We all there's a reason and I think I said this on a live chat last night on somebody's live chat. There's a reason there's 40,000 gun companies uh 843,000 different models in yeah. a million different calibers, right? I mean, it's because there wouldn't be that many if we, you know, all were in lockstep on one thing because there wouldn't be a market for multiple things, right? So I think the Savage is a better gun overall, though. If you were just to ask me outright, sure. I accuracy wise, yeah. I mean, the Savage can be rigged out. I know for a fact can be rigged out and do pretty decent in a little three position small bore competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen some people try it with a cricket in it and it not work out <laughs> real well. Uh, but that's not, I, I, I'm not dogging. I'm not saying the cricket is a bad rifle by any stretch of the imagination. Keystone, um, who makes the cricket, of course, um, makes a lot of cool stuff. The cricket's been around a while. And again, like I said, they wouldn't be still making them if they, you know, if people didn't like them, if they didn't sell, if they didn't do the job. Right. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't have any real dog in the fight. I mean, that particular rifle is sentimental because it's her first gun. It was made the year she was born for those reasons. But, no, I have no dog in the fight. Like, it's my favorite gun or anything like that. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Um, now, Denny out there, he had one somewhere. Here we go. Um, he said, uh, never shot a cricket, but thought about them. Said a few times for his uh, his grands. Said, but I thought maybe I won't go that route and instead go with the pellet gun or air rifle until they are a little bigger. So one thing that I found, especially unless you go with a higher end air rifle, um, and you could potentially spend more on the air rifle than the cricket or the rascal, um, air rifles typically don't have the best triggers. And so it's, it's really hard it can be really hard on a, on a small one, right? If that's, a, it's a really, they got little fingers anyway. And I mean, um, you know, if it's, if it's a heavier trigger pull. So, um, that's one thing that I would say about the, the whole air rifle thing. Um, I think ultimately the air rifle thing maybe comes down to, you know, what do you have available? So like with our, our shooting sports team and all that started and everything back in the day, um, we never did do air rifles. We did some BB gun air rifle stuff at fairs and, and functions and stuff like outreach. But as far as participating in any, you know, air shooting sports stuff, we never did. Um, we focused on rim firing up because again, it, it, if we had the space, right, we were able, we had the range, we had the, the, um, uh, the money, the funding, we had we had everything we needed. So there is some drawback. I mean, if you need to be able to shoot it in your backyard, right, into a cardboard box filled with a pillow or whatever it might be, then, yeah, I mean, air may be a, a much better way to go. Um, but that's something I think you have to figure out for yourself. But I, I would say the, the, the cocking and the trigger, uh, on, especially on cheaper air rifles, is – it's pretty difficult for a kiddo to do themselves. So, you know, that means you're going to have to, 
you know, cock it, pump it, whatever the case may be. And, you know, are they going to be that accurate having to really pull on a heavy trigger? Yeah, maybe not. So some things to consider for sure. What are, uh, what are your thoughts air versus uh, 22 for youth? Well, they're both fine. And, but I, I would tend more towards the 22 and here's why. If you want to make it act like a pellet gun, meaning about, I mean, pellet gun doesn't just mean one thing. Okay. So I'm really just trying to generalize and be concise, but <laughs> low velocity. Want, yeah. Right. If you want it to act like a pellet gun, as far as sound goes, foot per second, penetration, all that, you can get like the Calibri, super Calibri, quiet ammo. And there's not going to be a whole lot of difference. Right. But here's the thing. Once they start getting a little older, I start finding that, especially with my daughter, the concussion, the rapport of that round going off and the gunpowder and all of that, that can be intimidating. And that's a big thing that you need to kind of overcome. So you can transition into that with a 22 and you can say, all right, now we're going to put in a real deal. 22, it's supersonic. It's going to have that bang. And you can, you can transition them one step further before you get them into shotguns and center fire rifle and maybe handguns later. So that's right. why I like the 22 better. Yeah, and that's a, you know, that's a good point about you know getting, you know, getting them accustomed to everything. And I think that's another thing when we're talking about youth. And it's interesting we got on the youth thing, considering that you know what happened a couple of weeks ago here on YouTube. But um, when you get into the youth thing, and I'm trying to figure out how I want to, you know, how I want to go with this, but. Um, Lost my train of thought with that. We were talking about air guns. We well, I was about talking about how you can still get them into that because the sound is one of the big things that frightens kids with guns, and you can gradually walk them up with that little louder rapport with like a regular twenty-two cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So this is where it comes into port. Before, I'm a big proponent of, you know, if you own firearms, um, if you are a avid enthusiast meaning you go to the range you shoot in the backyard or uh, on the back of the property or whatever regularly that sort of thing um i'm a big fan of of as soon as that kiddo is old enough to to show any kind of curiosity right with things um take them to the range with you um eye protection ear protection obviously Get them accustomed to being around those reports, right? Yeah. Around that noise. Um, especially if you do want to teach them how to use those rifles, handguns, shotguns, whatever it might be later on down the road. Let them experience that. If you just go out on your own, you know, and then that kid's seven, eight years old and has never been to the range with you, and you take them to the range for the first time, it's it's a culture shock, right? It's like, they've never been around that. If you've taken them since they were two or three years old, right? Yeah. They're used to it. They understand that's a gun. That gun's going to go bang. They understand that it's dangerous. They see you going through safety stuff, right? And there's a lot of cool things uh, that your kiddos can do at the range, the younger ones. Number one is if you reload, they can pick up brass. I can't tell you the number of times uh, I've had my kiddos, um, 
little brass goblins running around, right? It's like because people yeah. leave their brass, and I reload. I'm like, get all that brass. Here's a bucket. You know, get after it. Um, yeah. They can help you hang targets and stuff, right? There's certain things they can do, even though they might not be old enough to shoot. And they're around it. They're aware. It, it's not taboo. It's not nuanced. It removes a lot of that curiosity because they've been around it. So it's not anything this awestruck new thing to them. And I think that can go a long way uh, later on when you do start teaching the hands-on stuff. Yeah, and I, I liked what you said at the very end, though. This actually segues into helping to preserve the Second Amendment because mm-hmm. they might not necessarily be an advocate when they're a teenager. However, they may have that teacher, that friend at school. They're over at a friend's house and they hear somebody, some anti-gunner, spewing a bunch of their rhetoric, which we all just sit and listen to. And we're like, there's no way that's true. Well, if your kid doesn't know any different, they might start believing it. But if they've been on the range since they were a little kid and they're like, oh, the AR-15 is so powerful. You wouldn't shoot a deer with it because there'd be no deer left. And your kid's like, well, hold on a minute. It's a very dangerous weapon. It's to be respected. It can kill things. However, that's just not true because I know what hole it makes. I know what it does. And it will help fend them off from believing all the anti-gun rhetoric because they provably know it's not true because of their learned experiences, right? hmm Yep. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, yeah, with that, good Lord, we've burned an hour already. We're at the 57-minute wow. mark. That was quick. Yeah, it was. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes here left, and we're going to shut this one down. So uh, I want to give you what you've got coming up as far as the channel. Let us know if you've got anything special coming up, and then uh, let us know if people want to follow you. You were talking about locals and some other things earlier. Throw all that out there for everybody. Yeah, man, I'm excited to hang out with all of my viewers next on my live stream, I guess, tomorrow night. It's already Thursday somehow. I've got a few videos in the works that I'm editing. That's my weak point. I'm not good at that, guys. So I'm working on editing some videos. I'm also going to be heading down south in less than two weeks. I'm going to be spending some time in Columbia, South Carolina. So I'll probably be doing a couple live streams from there. I'll get you guys as much of the scoop as I can on what's going on at PSA. And then I'm going to be heading a little further south to an event in Georgia the first couple days of October and bringing you guys along the best I can on all of that, too. So quite an exciting month, really. Right. Um, We did get a question out there. I overlooked it, so my apologies. We'll hit on it real quick. Says, can you get young ones uh, in on a double action revolver? You know, that's why I like single action, double action. Um, so if you're talking double action only, that's going to be tough, depending on the age of the kiddo, uh, unfortunately, because it, you know, same issue I've got with most of the pellet rifles and things out there. Double action, I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. It's going to be a heavier trigger pull. Now, if you've got a double single and you can, you know, yank that hammer back, absolutely. You know, so as far as them being able to handle it, side alignment, loading, unloading, you know, all of those things. The manual of arms is going to be exactly the same. So if it is that, then, you know, maybe teach them single action. Um, and then once they've got the strength and stuff like that, you can move them into to double action. If it's double action only, you know, it depends on the kiddo. I've seen some really big eight years old, eight year olds, and I've seen some really small 12 year olds. So uh, it's, it's going to be different for, for every kid. What do you think? 
I like the Heritage Revolver series, man. They have so many sizes. You can get yeah, down to a little barkeep, the yeah, barkeep boot, and you can put a little bird's head grip on there with a thin pearl grips, and you can get that into like the littlest one's hands. So what, I, I know yeah. you love those too. Very versatile. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like them because they've got so many different variations, right? And they're cheap and they're fun. Let's, yep. let's, I mean, how much more fun can you have for what, 120 to 150 bucks or whatever they are? It's like, come on, you know, um, you just can't beat it. Now, you know, are they the best? No. You know, are they the most accurate? No. Is it something I want to, you know, depend on for my life? No. <laughs> but for the money, they're cool and they're fun. So sometimes, yep. sometimes that's, that's all you need. That's the only reason you need is it's cool and it's fun. That's it. And sometimes it's just because I can. That's reason enough. Oh, yeah. And depending on the configuration, I can't think of a better for the little ones. It's almost a modular design. You can replace the, the grip portion frame over from the bird's head to the regular, you know. Yeah. The only one leg, I can whatever. think of, the only one I can think of uh, as far as a revolver and a youth, uh, the, the combo there is the Ruger Bearcat. And they don't make that anymore, to my knowledge. Uh, but the Ruger Bearcat was absolutely amazing. I mean, and if you can find one, probably a good yeah. investment, you know. Um, but, yeah, the, that aside, yep. So, let's go um, over here. Man, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. We're going we're gonna to close this one down. So, uh, had yeah, a great man, conversation. Had a it, it, it went quick and uh, and all that good stuff. So, uh, let me address uh, everybody out here real quick before we get out of here, uh, if I can flip through right screen. So thanks for uh, everybody for joining. All the questions, all the engagement, that's what it is about. Remember, whether you're watching live now, you're watching live later, you're listening in replay, there's always that comment section down below. Uh, again, check out firearmsradio.net. Check out Trailblazer Firearms. And um, check the uh, link if you're live before you leave up at the pinned post because there is a, a Team Glock autographed set of trading cards uh, that's going to be given away over there. So check that one out. What else do we have? I think that's it for this week. But we've got Wednesdays and Thursdays booked for about the next two months with uh, podcasts. So be looking for all of those. And uh, I think that's it. Special thanks, obviously, to Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat, those that super thanks, those at shop, clovertack.com slash shop. And until next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Clovertack Podcast. <laughs>